We now take you into a service already in progress where Pastor Ashish exhorts the congregation and leads them in making the declaration. And right after this is a life-changing message for you. 2 Corinthians 1 verse 20 The Bible says that all the promises of God in Him, that's in Christ, are yes and in Him, amen, to the glory of God through us. Here's what I want us to see is that every promise that God has given is intended to be fulfilled in our lives. Amen? No, it's not like you read the promise and say, God, that was nice. Thank you. I feel, feel a little better. Put it away and then go and go back to the struggles of life. But every promise that you and I read in the Word of God, God wants that to be fulfilled in our lives. It's not just a nice scripture to read, underline with red, shade with yellow, leave in the Bible and forget about it. But every promise, God wants an yes and an amen to resound from us so that he gets the glory. Amen. Every promise that you see in the word, every promise that you read in the scripture, God wants it to be fulfilled in your life. Everyone, for all the promises of God, not just some. All the promises of God are yes and an amen. And amen means so be it. So I want to encourage you and me, when we read the word of God, when we read the promises of God, into saying, you know, God, uh, you know, maybe you read this verse in Psalm 1-3 that says, you know, that God will bless, all, uh, uh, that whatever you do will prosper. And then you think about that brother there who's prospering. You think about that sister there, you know, she's prospering. Yes, God, uh, this promise is for everybody else except for me. But I want us to change that. And whenever we read the promise, you say, God, you say to God, yes and amen. Yes, and so be it in my life. Amen. Let's not just read it as a promise and say, That's, that was a nice reading for this day. Thank you, Lord. But read it and say, yes and amen to God. I want it to be fulfilled in my life. Let's stand up to our feet as we make a declaration. Let's say a yes and an amen to everything God has declared concerning us. Hold your Bibles high up in the air, please, and say this out loud with me. This is God's word. This is God speaking to me. I am what God says I am. I can do what God says I can do. I will become everything God has promised. I'm saved, healed, delivered, redeemed. I am blessed. Victorious, prosperous, triumphant. I'm a minister of God, a servant of Christ, and a channel of His blessing to many people. I receive His word. I believe His word. And I live by His word. Christ is my master. And to Him, I am in absolute surrender. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Earlier this week, I think it must have been either a Monday or a Tuesday, as I was uh, driving to work in the morning, I was feeling very tired. Have you ever felt tired going to work? God, I'm tired. <laughs> I wasn't tired physically, uh, but more mentally tired. You know, God, oh, got to do this, got all that. So inside, I was really tired. So I was driving up on Hebal Flyover, inside Complaining to God, I'm feeling so tired. Why do I have to work so hard? And as I was talking in my thoughts to God, all of a sudden, the Lord took me to Genesis chapter 2 and verse 15. And just this whole thing just opened up about how God 
in Genesis 2.15, it says that God put Adam in the garden to tend it and to keep it. And so suddenly there was this, this word coming into my spirit saying, I put Adam in the garden to tend the garden and to keep it. To tend it is to cultivate it, to, uh, to till it, and to keep it, that is to guard it and protect it. And this whole thing just began to open up and I began to really just meditate, meditate, meditate on this whole thing about tending the garden. And I want to share some of those things with you. But along with this word of, you know, Ashish, all you're doing is tending my garden. Along with that word came a new sense, a, a sense of release. And, and along with the understanding, some of which I'm going to share with you, came this excitement towards work. Amen. To realize that all I'm doing is tending God's garden. Tending the garden. So we're going to spend some time here this morning talking about tending the garden. And uh, trying to understand some things from Genesis chapter 1, 2, and 3. On what God did. And now you and I are very familiar with Genesis 1, 2, and 3. Most of us. Uh, we know that God created everything. And then he created man. He said, let us make man in our own image. and In our own likeness. And uh, then... After he created everything, he put Adam and Eve in the garden. He set them in the garden. And he gave Adam a work to do. He didn't put Adam there and say, Adam, I created you to be on permanent retirement. No work for you, Adam. Just enjoy life. You know, everything will just drop from heaven. The fruit trees will yield their fruits. And the animals from morning, they'll just come and lie down before you and get converted into your nice meal. And he didn't do that. He put Adam in the garden and he said, I want you to tend the garden and I want you to protect the garden. I want you to do something here on earth. And I just want to make a few comments on, on those first three chapters and then get into what I feel the Lord was putting in my heart as I was talking to him about this. You know, when, when, God, when the Bible tells us that God created man in his own image and his own likeness, you and I... Uh, uh, and then God, you know, gave him the commission in Genesis. He said, be fruitful, fill the earth, multiply, subdue. That was the mandate that God put upon man's life. He says, I want you to be fruitful. I want you to multiply. I want you to fill the earth. I want you to have dominion. I want you to take charge and be in charge of the earth. So God created the heavens. He's in charge of the heavens. But the earth, Psalm 115, 16 says, he has given to man. Man is in charge of the earth. Whatever happens here, he's in charge of it. And here are some, just some comments here from the first three chapters of Genesis. You know, the first thing I want us to understand, when, when the Bible says that God created man in his own image, the first thing is this, that man was designed to be creative. Amen? You have been designed to be creative. God is creative and you are creative. You've been designed in the image of God. Now, we may not be creative in the sense of bringing something out of nothing, but you and I are creative in the sense that we can bring into being things from the resources around us. Amen. And whatever area, whatever avenue, whatever uh, uh, avenue of expression that creativity might be, it might be in art, it might be in entertainment, it might be in sport, it might be in media, it might be in uh, our business, it might be in science, it might be in technology, whatever, whatever form of expression that is, you are designed to be creative because God is creative. To bring something new, something fresh into existence. Using what God has put around us. Secondly, man has been designed to work. So now some of you know why you feel miserable. 
Yes, sir. You've been designed to work. It's part of who you are. God worked and God continues to work. Interesting to read in Genesis chapter 2, verses 1, 2, and 3. It says, you know, after God created everything, in Genesis chapter 2, verses 1, 2, and 3, it says, Thus the heavens and the earth and all the hosts of them were finished. And the seventh day God ended his work which he had done. He rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it, he rest, in it he rested from all his work, which God had created and made. So God, all these three verses telling us God worked. God worked and he rested and he's continuing to work. God works. You've been designed to work. When God put Adam in, in the garden, Genesis 2.15, he said, I want you to till the ground. I want you to cultivate it. You, you've been designed to do something, to work on the earth. Amen. Work is God's idea. It's designed by God. You're designed to do things. And the third thing, and again, this is just a side comment, is this, that you and I know that Eve was created to be a suitable helper to Adam. Genesis 2.18 says that, you know, God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper. So Eve was created to be Adam's helper. To do what? In what way was she to help him? What was Adam commissioned to do? Take care of the garden. So Eve was to help Adam in taking care of the garden. Cooking food at home was secondary. Amen? <laughs> now, the point I want to make is this, that Eve had a place in the garden. She had a, her role in the place of work. Eve was created to be Adam's helper. What was Adam told to do? Tend the garden. Where was Eve going to help Adam? In tending the garden. Amen. Now, I am not against those uh, women working at home. Please don't misunderstand me. I am not against women taking care of the house. That is a part of what the New Testament says. Women need to take care of the house. It's, very, it's part of it. But what I'm trying to highlight here is that Eve had a place in the garden. That's where she was to help the man. Women have a role in the marketplace. Women have a role in the workplace. Women have a role in the garden. Amen. That's what it began with. Okay. Now these are side comments. Let's get to the main message. So as I was just talking to God and saying, you know, God, and God was just bringing me to Genesis chapter 2. The thing that God really impressed on me was this. What would work have been like in a perfect world? If Adam had not sinned and fallen, what would the garden look like? What would the workplace look like in a perfect world? What would have happened? And here are some of the insights that I want to share with us this morning. Gardening in a perfect world. The first is this. That worship would have continued through the workday. Worship would have continued through the workday. Work and worship would not have been compartmentalized. Now, Adam would not have got up in the morning and said, God, today I'm going to have one hour quiet time. Then I'm going to go to work. I'm going to be very busy. Please don't disturb me. And I'll see you in the evening when I go to cell group meeting. Work and worship would not be compartmentalized. I, you know, Adam would always be in the presence of God. He'd wake up in the morning and just enjoy God's presence. He'd go out to his garden, still be in God's presence. 
still be worshiping God and be taking care of whatever he had to do in the garden. But he would still be in communion and in worship with God. Worship would continue through his work day. Do we all agree on that? In a perfect world, if man hadn't fallen. Secondly, worship and work would both be unto God. Now Adam would have worshipped God and when he's working, he would do that as well unto God. He wouldn't be like, you know, God, I'm worshipping you because I love you, but I'm working because I have to earn my money and I have to put up with my terrible boss and uh, take care of my family. Not two different motivators for worship and for work. The same motivator unto God for both worship and work. Amen. Both would be unto God as an offering to God. Both would be equally important. Both would be a heavenly assignment. Both would be a mandate from God. Not just worship a mandate from God and work. Please excuse me, I got to take care of this because I need to live. No. Both would be, I'm fulfilling a heavenly mandate. I'm doing something that God has put a seal of approval on. And this is exactly what the New Testament teaches us. Even though we are on this side of the fall. In Colossians chapter 3 verses 23 and 24. It says whatever you do. Now it's talking in the context of work. I've just picked out these two verses. Rather than reading the entire passage. But the context is work. And it says whatever you do. Do it heartily as unto the Lord and not to man. Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance for you serve the Lord Christ. Whatever you do, do it to the Lord. The work you're doing, do it to the Lord. Not to man. I'm not doing this to please my boss. I'm not doing this to please somebody else. I'm doing this unto the Lord. Both worship and work would be an offering unto God. Equally important. This, was in a perfect, this would be in a perfect world before the fall. Amen. The third thing is this. If we were gardening in a perfect world, God would have been at work. God would have been at work. When Adam went into the garden, God would be there. Now he'd go look at this strange tree and God would say, Adam, come here, come here, come here. Let me tell you what this tree is. And God would have given him this botanical name for it. And Adam would have written it down, nailed it on the tree, don't forget. You know, just joking. But God would have been at work introducing Adam to all these wonderful things. And God would have been present there. I sincerely believe that when God put Adam in the garden, telling him to tend and keep it, that in his mind, God already foresaw or foreknew everything that he wanted done on the earth. He did not intend Adam to be a farmer for the rest of his life. But I believe that God already foresaw ahead of time. He saw the internet. He saw the iPod. He saw, you know, he, he just saw everything. But this was a starting point. Adam, you start taking care of the garden. And as you kind of go through my creation, look at what's going to come forward. God already saw all of this, which was going to be created by man on the earth. I don't think the internet took God by surprise. Amen? Say, finally they arrived. <laughs> I wanted this done in 400, you know, or whatever, 1500 BC or whatever, you know. But finally they arrived in 2000 or whatever, 19, middle 1900s. I don't think any of these things surprised God. I believe that when God put Adam in the garden and said, I want you to tend it and take it, keep it. I already, God already foresaw all that he wanted to release through his creative power at work in the human race on the earth. He already saw that. 
So God would be at work. Listen to these, these interesting verses from the third chapter of Genesis, verses 8 to 10. It says, And they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden. God walks in the garden. In the cool of the day, because this is after the fall, so here's their reaction. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Can you get a picture of what would normally happen in the garden? That God would walk in the garden. The sound of God walking among the trees was just a common occurrence. Hearing the voice of God coming through the trees in the garden was just a common thing. God would be in the garden, in the workplace. And when Adam went to his workplace, he was not worried about an angry boss or a terrible colleague. He was waiting to meet God in the garden. Amen. That's what would have been. That's what the garden would have been in a perfect world. The workplace would have been in a perfect world. And here are some thoughts along this line here that I want to share with you. That God's creative abilities would be released through man. So as God would introduce Adam to all these wonderful things, one by one, God would be releasing his creative abilities through man. You know, bringing him to a place where he could create the spaceship and go up in space and come back. And God would say, did you enjoy the ride? You know? and, and God would be releasing all of this for man to harness and understand the crea creation and release creativity through man. Except that it would have been done much faster. We've taken a long time to arrive there. But if it was a perfect world, we would have been here much earlier. In terms of discovering God's creation and releasing all of this into this world. And the second thing is this, that discovering and harnessing laws in God's creation would have been exciting. I'm sure in a perfect world when Adam was in the garden and, and, and as he was going about discovering different things that God had created, discovering, for instance, the law of gravity, he would jump up and come down and God said, Adam, that's gravity. You go up, you'll be back down. Oh, wonderful. Thank you, God. I won't fall off this ball that you created. And, and, and as Adam discovered these laws that God put in nature and he understood how to use them. I believe that that journey would have been an exciting one. Amen. God working together with man in the garden. Now look at Isaiah the 28th chapter. Verses 23 to 29. Isaiah 28, 23 to 29. It says, give ear and hear my voice. Listen and hear my speech. Does the plowman, that's the farmer, keep plowing all day to sow? Does he keep turning his soil and breaking the clods? When he has leveled its surface, does he not sow the black cumin and scatter the cumin? Plant the wheat in rows, the barley in the appointed place, and the spelt in its place. For he, that is God, instructs him, the farmer, in right judgment. His God teaches him. For the black cumin is not threshed with a threshing sledge, nor is a cartwheel rolled over the cumin. But the black cumin is beaten out with a stick and the cumin with a rod. A bread flour must be ground. God taught man to make chapati. Therefore he does not thresh it forever. Break it with his cartwheel or crush it with his horsemen. This also comes from the Lord of hosts who is wonderful in counsel and excellent in guidance. What's this telling us? It's telling us that, you know, it is God who taught the farmer to do farming. It's God who 
wonderfully instructed the farmer saying, this is what you must do. This is how you till the ground. This is how you scatter the seed. This is how you get the crop. This is how you process the different seeds. It says God instructs him and gives him this guidance. Amen. God being at work, revealing this to man. This is how you harness everything that I've put into my creation. I believe God did it in spite of the fall. It just took us a little longer to receive it all. Amen. Are you with me? That God instructs us. It's God revealing all of this to us. You know, I can just imagine in my mind how Adam discovered the law of seed time and harvest. You know, because in Genesis chapter 1, verse 11 and 12, it tells us when God created all the plants and the vegetation, He also created them to have their own seed. He created fruits to have its own seed. So, you know, just imagine Adam eats this apple. This was not the forbidden apple. This was, okay, the similar one. Oh, my God, sorry. He ate the apple. And then he found the seeds in it. And he said, God, what do I do with this? And God said, Adam, you know, just put it in the ground and see what happens. So he puts it in the ground. He he comes and looks at it. Days pass by. He says, God, nothing's happening. And then after a few days, these things begin to sprout. And God says, Adam, this is what happens. That's called seed. This is what the seed does. It, it, it causes it to multiply and increase. But God, why can't it happen immediately? No, Adam, for every seed, there is a seed time and a harvest. Different seeds will take different time to grow. You be patient. And because fruit comes in its due season. Okay, Lord, I understand the law. So Adam discovers the law of seed time and harvest. And like this, God takes him to this journey of discovery. Now here's a side note I want to make to all of us who are, all those here who are students. You're in college or you're in school, you're studying. You know, I want you to begin to look at your education. Whatever you're studying, whether you're studying science, maths, medicine, psychology, whatever. I want you to look at it as a journey of discovering the mind of God. Amen. Don't look at it as, oh no. Man, I got to study all this. No, my dad only had this, this thing in a book. I have this thicker book. I mean, don't look at it like that. Look at it as a journey in discovering God's wisdom, God's creation. Amen. Look at what the Proverbs, book of Proverbs say. Proverbs chapter 8, um, Jeremiah 10, 12, before you go to jo Proverbs. Jeremiah 10, 12 says, He made the earth by His power. He has established the world by His wisdom. God's wisdom is integrated into this world that he created. And Proverbs 8, 22 to 31, wisdom is speaking. Here's what wisdom says. It says, the Lord possessed me at the beginning of, the way, of his way, before his works of old. I, I have been established from everlasting, from the beginning, but before there was ever an earth. When there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no fountains abounding with water, before the mountains were settled, before the hills I was brought forth, while as yet he had not made the earth or the fields or the primal dust of the, of the world. When he prepared the heavens, I was there. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep. When he established the clouds above, when he strengthened the fountains of the deep. When he assigned to the sea its limit so that the waters would not transgress his command. When he marked out the foundations of the earth. Then I was beside him as a master craftsman. And I was daily his delight. Rejoicing always before him, rejoicing in his inhabited world, and my delight was with the sons of men. 
So wisdom is speaking and simply saying, I was there. I, I am there in all of God's creation. Everything God's cre God created, I am in it. The wisdom of God is embedded into his creation. And when you're studying your physics, your science, your biology, whatever you're studying, you are journeying into wisdom. Amen. And wisdom is so important because in that same chapter, Proverbs 8, look at verse 15. Wisdom says, by me kings reign and rulers decree justice. So if you want to be a leader, you want to be a manager, you need the wisdom of God. Because by wisdom, you lead people. By wisdom, you do what is right. And why else you need wisdom? That same chapter in Proverbs 8.21, wisdom says that I may cause those who love me to inherit wealth, that I may fill their treasuries. You want to be rich? You want to be successful? Well, you need wisdom because wisdom causes you to inherit wealth. Amen. So understand that when you are studying, you're having your education, it's just you discovering the mind of God, the wisdom of God, whatever it might be, whether it's art, entertainment, psychology, medicine, whatever, God, the mind of God being revealed in all of His creation. You're journeying into the wisdom of God. Amen. So that was the third point. God was at work. God's voice was heard among the trees. God moved in the garden. God was present in the workplace to minister to Adam and show him what to do. Let me quickly share two more things and we're going to pray. Fourth one I, I really want to share with us is this, that fruitfulness, multiplication, and increase would be a natural outcome. You know, when Adam would work in the garden, I don't think he sat down and wondered, you know, am I going to be fruitful? Am I going to be successful? I don't think that was a question in his mind. Because God had already said, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it. Everything you do, you're blessed, Adam. So it just was a natural outcome of whatever he did. As he worked in the garden, that was always there. Now, you and I know what happened at the fall. When Adam sinned, and, uh, excuse me, when Adam sinned, here's what the Lord spoke in Genesis 3, 17 through 19. He said, he said to Adam, because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, that saying that you will not eat, cursed is the ground for your sake. So the ground became cursed after the fall. In toil you will eat of it all the days of your life, meaning that wasn't necessary before the fall. He had to work, but not toil like this. Verse 18, both thorns and thistles it will bring forth for you. And you will eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of your face you will eat the bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you will return. So the fall brought this in. The fall brought curse on the ground. The fall brought the fact that he had to toil now to see fruit. The fall brought the fact that the ground would not always yield good fruit. There would be thorns and thistles. But that was the curse. That was the fall. That was not in a perfect world. Amen. In a perfect world, in the garden, fruitfulness, multiplication, increase was a natural outcome of everything Adam put his hands to. The last point I want us to look, look at this morning is this, that work would be enjoyable, something of pleasure. Work would be an enjoyable thing, something Adam enjoyed. Now, when he would got up in the morning, he went to the garden. It wouldn't be something like, oh, no, I've got to go to this garden again. I've got to work here again. Oh, no. But work would be something enjoyable. This is beautiful. God has entrusted all of this to me. Wow, I'm in this garden to take care of it. Work would be enjoyable. It would bring him pleasure. But after the fall, I realized that you and I are not living in an imperfect world. There are challenges. 
But I want you to go ahead into the future and look at the kingdom age, the coming kingdom age. And here's what God says in Isaiah 65, verses 21 to 23, in the coming kingdom age. Isaiah 65, 21 to 23. Here's what God is going to bring back to the earth, to the earth, to the world, to his people. He says in Isaiah 65, 21 to 23, he says, They shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat their fruit. They shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. For as the days of a tree, so shall be the days of my people. And my people will enjoy the work of their hands. They shall not labor in vain. Nor bring forth children for trouble. For they are the descendants of the blessed of the Lord. And their offspring with them. So in the coming kingdom, God's going to restore this. You're going to build, you're going to live in it. Not that you build and somebody else enjoys what you do. You're going to plant vineyards and you're going to enjoy it. It's not that you work and somebody else enjoys. And he says, my people will enjoy the work of their hands. Enjoy the work. And they will not labor in vain. Unproductiveness, failures will be unknown in the garden. Amen. This is the coming kingdom. But the beautiful thing is this, that for us who love the Lord, God promises the same thing here and now. Look at Psalm 128 verses 1 and 2. He says, blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. When you eat the labor of your hands, or you will eat the labor of your hands, you will be happy and it will be well with you. This is here and now. Those who fear the Lord. You will eat the you will enjoy the labor of your hands. You'll be happy. And I'm also certain that in a perfect world, there would be no economic crisis. Amen. I mean, I can't imagine Adam picking up a cell phone, dialing 911 that goes to heaven. And he says, God, did you see the news today? I mean, all the stock markets are down. Uh, everything is crashing. The whole world, the, it, everything is coming down, Lord. And people by the thousands are losing their jobs. God, what should I do? I don't think that would have ever happened in the perfect world, in the garden. Amen. Now listen to what God tells his people. In Psalm 37, 18 and 19, he says, The eyes of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his mercy. To deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive in famine. Psalm 37, 18 and 19. The Lord knows the days of the upright and their inheritance shall be forever. They will not be ashamed in the evil time. They will not be ashamed in moments of economic crisis. In the days of famine, they shall be satisfied. This is God's word to his people. They will not be ashamed in the evil time. Sure, it's evil time around the globe. But God says, my people will not be ashamed. And in the middle of famine, when, every, when there is dearth all around you, when there is lack all around you, when there's unemployment all around you, God says, in the middle of famine, my people will be satisfied. Amen. My people will enjoy the work of their hands. Now, why did Jesus come into this world? He came to redeem us. From what? From the fall. Is that right? If there was no fall, there would be no need for a redeemer. 
But everything that came into this world because of the fall, Jesus came to undo in his coming into this world. So you and I are the redeemed of the Lord. We are redeemed from the fall. Now, Ephesians 1, 7 says, in him we have redemption. So redemption is present tense. But there is also a future side to our redemption, Ephesians 1.14, that He has given us the Holy Spirit as a, 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 a foretaste of our redemption. So there is part of our redemption which is yet for us, is in the future, for us to experience. But the fact is we are the redeemed of the Lord. And I also understand that creation is waiting to be redeemed. Romans 8.16.23 says that, all of creation is waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God and is waiting to be, re to be re released from the bondage that it has been subjected to. So even all of creation is waiting for its redemption. And it will happen when God creates a new heaven and a new earth. But the point I want to make is that you, are, you and I are redeemed right now. Yes, part of our redemption is in the future. But here's the good news. Hebrews 6.5 says that you and I taste of the powers of the kingdom to come. That means in this present life, you and I can taste. Maybe not have it in its fullness, but, but taste of the powers of the good things of the kingdom to come. So I want to close this message with what I believe God challenged me with, and I want to just pass that on to you this morning. Intending your garden in an imperfect world. I realize we live in an imperfect world. The workplace is not perfect. There are bad bosses. There are cruel colleagues. It's not a good place all the time. I realize that there are difficult situations happening all around us. But can we recognize that the Genesis mandate has not been withdrawn? And God told, I'm blessing you. Be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, subdue it. That has not been withdrawn. Man is still blessed. And can you and I realize that as, as we tend our garden in an imperfect world, can we, putting all this together, can we attempt to capture what God originally intended? Amen. Can we attempt to capture it? We are the redeemed of the Lord. And we are licensed to, for, to have a foretaste of the kingdom to come. You're licensed to do it. And you are the redeemed of the Lord. Maybe you won't have it all its fullness. Because we know that our bodies are yet to be glorified. But you and I can capture some of what God originally intended to happen in the garden. What is it? Let me just review. Worship would have continued throughout the work day. Can you and I capture that? When you go to your place of work, wherever you're working or you're a student, you're going to college. Your worship doesn't end when you close the Bible at the end of your quiet time. It continues throughout your work day. Amen. Second, can you capture the reality that both worship and work is unto God? You're not worshiping on Sunday to the Lord and Monday through Saturday you're working for yourself. No. Both worship and work is unto the Lord. Can we capture that? And third, can you look for God at work? Can you look to hear the sound of the Lord walking in your garden? Can you look for the voice of the Lord coming through the trees in your garden? I believe we can. We can capture this. That when you go to your place of work, you can say, God, you are the one who teaches me 
how to do this. You're the one who's going to give me the insight how to solve the problems. God, I want to hear your voice coming to the trees in my garden. God, I want to hear the sound of your footsteps walking in my garden. Whatever your garden might be. Whatever your place of work might be. I believe we can capture that. All the work of your hands. This is after the fall. Amen. Let's expect that. Lord, whatever I put my hands to, I am expecting success. I am expecting increase. Because that's your plan. Your original design for man. That this would just be a natural outcome of working in your garden. Of doing what you've assigned me to do for you. And lastly, that work would be something enjoyable. Something of pleasure. When you get up tomorrow morning and you go to work, you'll enjoy it. Because God said, my people will enjoy the work of their hands. You say, God, I thank you. This is your garden that you've given me. Now, whether you work in IBM, Oracle, TCS, whatever, wherever you work. God, this is my garden. You'll enjoy it. That's what God wants. That's the original plan. Amen. Can we capture that? I believe we can. Let's rise up to our feet. I want to take some time for us to pray together before we close. I realize we have a mixed crowd here. We have some of us who are students who are studying in school or college. Some of us are in the workplace. Some of us are at home. That's our garden. And that's perfectly fine. We're homemakers. That's perfectly fine. That's your garden. But I want us to pray these five things for ourselves before we go. I want you to just pray very earnestly for yourself. Soak in what God's releasing to us. It's, it's not the words, but I believe there is a spirit and a life behind this whole thing because it ministered to me. And, and I'm, my spirit is still feeding on this. My spirit is still uh, just trying to understand and comprehend. What God intended in the garden and then trying to relate to it and bring it into my life. Bring it into my presence in today's garden. So I want you to just catch that. You are working in God's garden. You are tending your garden and I realize it's an imperfect world. But will you make an attempt to capture God's original design for the garden? If you're a student, when you go to your classes, when you go to your school, when you go to your college? Will you attempt to capture this? That worship would continue throughout the day. You're tending His garden. Worship was not intended to end when you left your home. But it continued all day. Can you just pray for yourself and say, God, when I go to work tomorrow, I'll try to maintain this, worshiping you throughout the day. When I go to the coffee machine and I go have a tea break or whatever, God, I'll just be in that place of worship before you throughout the day. Can you just pray that for yourself right now? Worship and work would be unto God. Can you pray that for yourself? And say, God, whether this time that I've spent here this morning, I did it for you, but tomorrow when I go to work, even that is an offering unto you, God. My work is me fulfilling a heavenly assignment. You told me to tend the garden, to tend it and keep it. Even what I do in my place of work is unto you. It's an offering to you, Lord. I do it not for man, but to you. Can you pray that for yourself right now? When you study, go through your classes, your lessons, your homeworks, your lectures, 
Do it unto the Lord. Thirdly, would you look for God at work? Say, God, tomorrow when I go to the place of work, I'm not, going, I'm not so anxious about my bad boss or my cruel colleague. But God, I'm going to look for you at work. I want to hear the sound of God walking into my garden. I want to hear your voice coming to the trees in my garden, Lord. I want to hear your instruction, the understanding that you give me, the creativity that you release in my life. Lord, I want to meet you at work. Can you just pray that for yourself? Fourthly, would you just expect fruitfulness, multiplication, increase, success as a natural outcome? Don't limit your thinking to the result of the fall. Expand your thinking to capture God's original intent for you because you are redeemed. Fruitfulness, multiplication, increase is a natural outcome of you putting your hands to the work God's assigned for your life because He said, I will bless all the work of your hands. We just say, Lord, tomorrow and this week as I work, I'm expecting, Lord, fruitfulness, your blessing and all the work of my hands. I'm not going to go to work with a feeling of, will I succeed today? I'm going to go to work knowing that I will. It's just the outcome of your blessing on my work. Fruitfulness is an outcome of it. Would you pray that for yourself right now? And finally, you are entitled to enjoy your work. God said, my people will enjoy their work. Have fun doing it and have fun enjoying the result of it. Enjoy it both ways. So will you just pray for yourself? Say, God, I want to enjoy. If you're a student, just pray for yourself and say, God, I want to enjoy my studies. Enjoy my course. Have fun. Enjoy it. If you're working, enjoy your work. It's a thing of pleasure. You will enjoy the fruit of your labor. You will not labor in vain. Father, this morning I just pray. For what you wanted to convey to be released upon our lives. The spirit and the life of what you are releasing, God. May it descend upon our hearts. May it descend upon our lives. May we capture, Lord, your original design for the garden. And may we glorify you in the garden that you've placed us. Each one of us. May we glorify you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face to shine upon you. The Lord be gracious to you and lift up His countenance on you and give you His peace. In Jesus' name. Amen. We trust that this message was a blessing to you. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at contact at apcwo.org. Also, visit our website www.apcwo.org for additional resources. Thank you for listening and God bless you.